Has God called you into business? Then you're on an assignment. A kingdom assignment. To serve your family, truly impact lives, and advance the kingdom of God. Yes, in the marketplace, and all over the globe. Don't say we didn't warn you. This isn't business as usual. It's time for the Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. And here's your hosts, Shay Bynes and Antonina Gear. Kingdom Driven Entrepreneurs, welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Shay Bynes. I'm joined with my beloved sister and fellow co-host, Antonina Gear. I've got to tell you guys, uh, I've really been looking forward to this particular episode uh, from the moment that I sent an email to today's guest asking him to be with us on the podcast. You know, we talk so often about being a fire starter in the marketplace, being a demonstrator of God's presence, his power, his passion, his purity, and really just opening ourselves up to whatever the Holy Spirit desires for us to do in and through our businesses. And our guest today has such a great story. I can't wait to dig in. So I'm just going to get right to our introduction of our guest. Our guest today joining us is Praying Medic. Praying Medic is a paramedic and author living in Phoenix, Arizona. Since 2009, he has written about the miracles God has done through his medical practice. He is married to his best friend and business partner, and his first book, Divine Healing Made Simple, was published in December 2013. He actually published a second book, which I just recently finished, and it's called My Craziest Adventures with God, and they were some pretty awesome adventures. Now, Praying Medic's life goal is to teach people to live as ambassadors of God's kingdom, and his books and articles are intended to inspire, challenge, and if necessary, provoke readers into a deeper relationship with God. And for those who are wondering, he does write anonymously to protect the privacy (laughs) of his patients, which he does share really amazing stories about. So Praying Medic, welcome. Thank you, Shay and Antonina. Uh, It is a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, Excited to see what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, this is going to be some good stuff. You know, I I really want to start here because... uh, in your book that I read, the, My Craziest Adventures with God, you actually shared that you are a former atheist and you didn't um, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior until you were 38. And while we don't typically ask our guests this question, this is a story we absolutely need to hear. So can you please start by just kind of sharing your story of um, how you even came to, to know the Lord? Yeah, I'll give you the Reader's Digest condensed version because it's a really <laughs> long story. <laughs> um, I had been uh, working at a uh, fire department in the northwest uh, part of the country, and I had been uh, an atheist uh, for most of my adult life. I just really never believed in God, never had a need for God, kind of did my own thing, ran my own ship, um, did things my way. And like a lot of people... Um, I, I ran into a lot of problems doing things that way. Uh, one of the problems I was running into was um, my paramedic partner at the time was actually my best friend. And he and I had been having some real uh, difficulties uh, at work and our personal lives. And we were becoming very hostile towards each other. And it was primarily due to the fact that I was becoming a really proud, arrogant, uh, what we call paragod, uh, a person who thinks they can't do anything wrong and they're always right. So my pride had sort of destroyed a lot of my relationships. And uh, one day in May, 
um, my partner comes to me and we were talking and he said, you know, um, I read this book that you'd really like. You should probably check it out. Um, it's called Left Behind. And uh, I didn't know anything about the book and I told him I didn't read fiction books. But he said, you know, it's a really interesting book. It talks a lot about current events that are going on in the world. You might find it interesting. So I thought, you know, whatever. I'm not going to read it. So a couple of weeks later, um, I was, I had scheduled to work a, a 48-hour shift. Uh, and at the time, I was working on the busiest uh, medic unit in the county. And I was working Memorial Day weekend, a 48-hour shift, which is one of the busiest weekends of the year. So I was expecting to be very busy running a lot of calls. But uh, before I went in for shift, I thought on the off chance that it might be a slow day, I would uh, pick up, well, uh, let me back up a second. So my lieutenant, uh, a couple of days before I worked this this 48-hour shift, told me that he was reading a really interesting book that he thought I might be interested in reading. It was called Left Behind. So he said, yeah, it's really interesting. You should check it out. It's got all kinds of cool stuff in it. And I thought, what are the odds that two different people would talk to me about the same book? So, I again, I thought, you know, I don't really read fiction books and not interested. So I kind of blew it off. But then the day before I was going to go into work this shift, I called up my lieutenant and I said, hey, Rich, um, you know, I'm working a long weekend. You know, there's a chance that it's going to be a, a boring, sh quiet shift. Not not a real good chance because it's Memorial Day weekend. But I'd like to pick up the book. So I went to his house. He gave me the book, and I went to work. And uh, the first day that I was on duty, Saturday, we had no calls. <laughs> <laughs> God had me on his calendar that day. Wow. <clears throat> So I started reading the book, and I really identified with one of the characters whose name is uh, Rayford Steele, who's a pilot. Um, I, I saw myself a lot of the same way that Rayford's character was written. And it's a really good, well-written book. And woven into this story is the gospel of love about you know a savior who died for me, not for the whole world, not for my friends, not for my parents, but for me, like for real and for me. And this, as I was reading this story, the, the overwhelming love of God just started to break my heart about how I'd live my life and how amazing it would be if he actually did love me. So that, that night uh, at the fire station, um, I, I felt this presence in the room. I, I knew it was the presence of God. And I started having this conversation in my mind with God. And it basically, you know, I don't believe in you, but you're, you obviously are here and you're talking to me about stuff. So that night, um, I knew that I, I had to um, change my life and accept God on his terms. And so I, I basically said, look, if you're real, you need to prove it. You need to help me change my life. I can't do it myself. You need to give me a voice. Give me something I can follow. And I went to I basically cried myself to sleep that night. And I woke up in the morning and I remember as clear as day, I heard this really calming, soothing voice inside of me, uh, telling me what to do, telling me what to say, kind of uh, coaching me along the way. And I heard that voice really clearly for weeks. Everywhere I went, I just heard this voice speaking to me. So uh, that's kind of how I met Jesus. Wow. Uh, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Radical <Yeah>. encounter. <laughs>
Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, I mean, so you're a paramedic. You know, you've got this book that's talking about these crazy adventures. You wrote a book on divine healing. So obviously, there's some there's there's a story here behind you being a paramedic. You um, understanding that Jesus loves you, accepting Him as your Lord and Savior, and going from that and hearing the voice of the Lord to actually moving out and 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 trusting God when he's prompting you in this area of healing with people that you're encountering as a paramedic. So kind of give us, give us that story too. Okay. Yeah. So it was, um, I got saved in 2000. Uh, and I, I went to kind of a, just a typical kind of, um, evangelical Bible teaching church for about seven years. Um, I learned the word really well and, but God had a plan for me. <clears throat> that involved some um, interesting turns along the way. One of which was me getting kicked out of the church that I was going to <laughs> uh, through an interesting set of circumstances, which that could be for another podcast. <laughs> and then um, I tried to get back into the you know the four walled institutional church kind of setting because I, I just felt like I needed to be going to church. But no matter how badly I tried to get in, it, God started to arrange my work schedule where I couldn't go to – like right now, I, I'm working on the weekends. And it's really hard for me to go to church services. So he started t teaching me through dreams. Well, in 2008, I had the first dream that I'd had in probably 25 years. I just never had dreams as an adult. And um, <clears throat> on August 8th of 2008 – so eight eight zero eight. <laughs> New beginnings. <laughs> New beginnings. Exactly. Um, I actually had some kind of prophetic understanding a couple of weeks prior to that date that something was going to happen on eight eight zero eight. I didn't know what it was, mm -hmm. but I knew in my knower, I knew that something was going to happen. I just had this kind of strange sense that something was going to happen. Well, on that night, on eight eight zero eight, God appeared to me in a dream uh, for the first. It was the first dream I had in 25 years. And it was very similar to how he appeared to Solomon, uh, where he basically appeared to him in a dream and had a conversation with him. So what he said to me was, I'm going to show you what's wrong with your patients, and I want you to pray with them. And if you do, I'll heal them. Awesome. Now, this is a guy who did not believe in healing and miracles. So even though I had been studying the Bible, I had been in kind of a church mindset where healing and miracles ceased that was only during the first century. There were no healing and miracles. I'd never seen anybody healed. I'd never read a legitimate testimony of a miracle. I was very, very skeptical. And even though I was a believer, I was an unbelieving believer, really. So I didn't know what God was had planned. He said, he's going to show me what's wrong with my patients. And I was thinking, how do you exactly are you going to show me what's wrong with my patients? Because yeah. I'd never had a vision before either. So um, over the next uh, six months to a year, I went through an intense training course from the Holy Spirit on how to see visions and how to cooperate with him in words of knowledge and um, how to release the power of the Holy Spirit to heal people. And uh, it involved me reluctantly starting to pray for my patients. For the first <laughs> month or two, I did it quietly, secretly. 
Um, no one could hear me. I didn't ask the patients. I just, you know, kind of whispered, Lord, if it's your will, please heal this person. And of course, me, me whispering prayers, you know, never got anybody <laughs> healed. So <laughs> I prayed that way. I, I made a deal with God. I said, look, I'll, I'll pray with every patient, you know, this month. Uh, or I'll pray, I should say, I'll pray for every patient for a month. But I want to see, I want to see somebody healed. So I prayed for like... E- probably two or three patients a day, every day for a month, and nobody was healed. So I thought, okay, God, I got you where I want you. You said if I prayed for people, you'd heal them, and nobody got healed, so I am out of this deal. You, you just broke the contract. I'm, I'm going to go back out about my life. Well, it wasn't that easy because at the time, he was giving me all these dreams. So uh, I'd, I'd come home frustrated one day from work, not seeing anybody healed, and uh, he'd give me a dream where I was praying for somebody in the ambulance, and they were getting healed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, great. This is awesome. So um, I'd go back to work and I'd, I'd pray for some more people quietly and nobody would get healed. And uh, this went on for a while. But then I, I actually um, started reading some books. I read a, uh, a book called Power Healing by John Wimber, which was really inspiring. And John got the big revelation that God said, look, you need to command people to be healed. Don't beg me to heal anyone. Just you need to use the authority and the power I've given you. Step out and command that sickness to leave and command those joints to be healed. So that was a radical idea for John Wimber. And when I started reading that stuff, I thought, wow, really? Commanding healing? How how does that work? So um, I reluctantly started following this new way of doing it. And I was commanding uh, joints to leave, or uh, joints to be healed, and spirits of pain to leave, and started commanding migraine headaches to leave. And strangely enough, it worked. I started seeing a <laughs> lot of people healed. Um, and then I, it took me a while to understand this idea of, of power and authority that, that God has given us. So then, of course, I had all these fears about, okay, I'm going to lose my job. Someone's going to complain about me praying with people, and I'm going to get fired. Because I was, I started then openly just asking people in the ambulance, hey, um, you know, I, I believe God wants you to be healed. Can I pray for you? And uh, I would pray for people, and, and a lot of them started to get healed. Probably at uh, after doing this for about a couple of years, I started seeing 75 to 80% of people being healed. Wow. Um, hmm. It, there's a learning curve to it, but you can get a pretty decent success rate once you kind of start to understand what cooperating with the Holy Spirit is like. But um, then eventually I did get a complaint from someone, um, and it wasn't one of my patients. It was actually a nurse uh, in the ER at one of the hospitals I was in. Uh, she complained to her manager that I was trying to proselytize one of the, my patients. Uh, she saw me praying with the guy. She thought I was trying to you know, lead him to Jesus or something in the ER. So... I got a call to go into my boss's office and he said, so I got a complaint that's, you know, from a nurse that says you're trying to proselytize your patients. <laughs> What's this all about? And um, so I had to explain to him and I was very honest with him. I said, look, Scott, I said, here's the deal. Um, I, I had a conversation with God and no, I'm not crazy. And he said he wants me to pray with people and so he said he's going to heal them. And, and, and I have seen a lot of people healed. Um, everybody that I've prayed for has been very grateful, even the two or three people who said no. And this is something that was really interesting to me. I've probably prayed for in the neighborhood of, uh, I don't know, two or 3,000 people in the ambulance in the last few years. Wow. I've had probably three people say no, no thank you. And they were very polite about it, and they were very nice. Nobody complained. 
but almost 99, probably 99% of the people I, I ask if they want me to pray with them, say yes, which was very surprising. I expected most people to say no. Right. Uh, I, so, almost, I almost have to stop you because there's so many things that are going in my head as you're telling this story. <laughs> oh, there's so I, Yeah, well, all the questions that I know that you're, th- you're wondering, <laughs> people have asked me over the years. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can, can you honestly, like, actually, like, pray with you? <laughs> How, what are the ethical guidelines? How do you like not get the, these arguments with people about their faith, their beliefs, and your belief system and stuff like that? I mean, because that's the concern that everybody has who wants to, you know, like use the power of the Holy Spirit and to be Jesus to their customers and their clients and their patients. They think, well, you know, this is, has to be confined, you know, to like ministry times or at church meetings or whatever. And I have learned, no, it does not. Yeah. You know, it's especially true in healthcare because this is, and this is what God showed me. He said, look, I don't want you to evangelize people. You're not an evangelist. You're a healer. So just, get, look, you're in a setting of healthcare. Yeah. And healthcare is all about healing. So mm-hmm. I want you to heal people. I want you to take away their pain and sickness and disease. That's all I want you to do. And, and I've had several dreams where... Uh, I'll tell you about this one dream. I was in the emergency department and I was praying for patients in the ER. And I was praying for a doctor, a child, and somebody else. And the doctor had like some kind of tennis elbow or bursitis in his elbow or something. And, and I was praying for him and there was a child who was sick and I was praying for the child. In the dream, I knew that healing was a, the secondary goal of what I was doing. The primary goal is that I was supposed to introduce them to God's presence. Yeah. 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 So that's what I do a lot of, is actually, <clears throat> whenever I pray for someone, the first thing I tell them, or the first thing I do is I say, Holy Spirit, bring your presence. And, and I have learned how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to where his presence will come into the ambulance, and they'll feel his presence. They either feel tingling all over their body, or they feel joy, or they feel um, a overwhelming sense of peace that they usually feel something different and when they start to feel that i get to tell them well like well that's god he's he's here in the ambulance with you and he's he's bringing his presence because he wants to i i pray for a lot of people with depression and uh who are suicidal and the one thing they almost always feel right away is this overwhelming sense of peace the fear and anxiety leave and then i tell them well you know jesus is the prince of peace and he's here right now, and he's with you, and that's why you're feeling that peace. So it's really cool. I get to introduce people to um, to the Lord in a way that's tangible, where they can feel that he's actually with them. And then a lot of times they get healed. That's so awesome. So awesome. Mm. I, Antonina, before I, before I get going, did you want to ask, ask pragmatic a question in here? <laughs> no, this is one of those episodes where the story itself speaks for itself. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm imagining, like, every word he's saying, I'm seeing it, and I'm coming to tears just thinking of people just feeling the presence of God and being introduced to him in that way. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's so awesome. I, yeah. I, I tell people I have the coolest job in the world because yeah. it really is. Once you, you know, my, my job isn't like the most exciting job in the world. Um, it, it really isn't. I mean, people think it is, but it's, it's uh, the, the type of work that I do. I, I don't work primarily nine one one calls. I mostly do interfacility transfers, 
like from hospitals to nursing homes. So that's not really the glory, you know, where there's all kinds of exciting stuff going on. For most people, it can be kind of boring. But I love it because uh, regardless of what situation I'm in, I'm always able to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and um, minister to people that he wants to, even whether it's coworkers. I've prayed for a lot of paramedics and nurses that I work with yeah. and, and EMTs and doctors who have been healed or they've felt God's presence or I've given them a word of knowledge or uh, I've helped interpret a dream that they've had. And it's kind of cool because no matter where I go, the Holy Spirit's always there. He's always wanting to interact with people. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I do good. have one question, sis, though. Go ahead. Uh, you, just, you, you brought up cooperating with the Holy Spirit again. Um, I think you mentioned that before earlier in your story as well. Um, for people who may not really know what that is or what that looks like, can you kind of, or someone who says, I can't cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and <laughs> how do I yeah. do that? Is there something that you can yeah. share of? how they can do that. Yeah. So let me uh, preface this by saying I'm in the process of writing a series of books Mm -hmm. where I break all these, like they're very abstract concepts. It's hard for people to wrap their mind around the idea of, well, what does it look like when you, when God's presence comes into an area and touches somebody, how does that work? How do you get God to do that? How do you know for sure that you're hearing the voice of the Lord? How do you know, how do you receive words of knowledge? How do you, you know, get with physical senses or spiritual senses? How do you know what what one feeling means? Because when you're uh, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, the feelings that he gives you are actually an indication of the area of the person's life that he wants to minister to. So whenever I feel an overwhelming sense of peace in my soul, that is, a, that is the Holy Spirit telling me, I'm going to bring this person peace, and that's where that's the area I want you to speak to them about. Mm-hmm. So, Or if he gives me like an overwhelming sense of brokenheartedness. I feel that a lot when I pray for homeless people. Um, I feel this overwhelming, like I, I, I'm not like the most compassionate person in the world. But sometimes when I'm praying with somebody who's homeless or a drug addict or whatever, I'll get this overwhelming just sense of, horrible brokenheartedness and I realize it's not me it's him he is showing me how he feels about them and then I pray with them or or counsel them based on the emotions that I'm feeling at the time so part of learning to cooperate with the Holy Spirit is understanding the language that he uses and a lot of times it's emotions sometimes it's feeling on your skin you can feel something so That's part of learning how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It's learning His way of communicating with you so you can communicate with them and knowing what they're uh, asking them questions about what they're feeling, what they're sensing, what they're seeing. Because some people actually start to see things in their mind. They'll see visions or whatever. So in, in an effort to help people understand how this stuff all pieces together, I'm, in, I'm writing a series of books uh, the first one was Divine Healing Made Simple, where I take these concepts and I break them down into very, very simple language. And uh, I, I try to make them concrete so that people can understand what I'm talking about and, and they can do it themselves. Yeah. The second book in this series is gonna is called Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple. Mm. That, that is a book that will be out hopefully by the end of March. We're in the in the final process of editing right now. The third book is going to be Hearing God's Voice Made Simple. The fourth book is going to be, I think we're, I'm going to go with um, Power and Authority Made Simple. Ah, oh, that's good. 
The fifth one will be deliverance and your healing made simple. And the sixth one is going to be traveling in the spirit made simple. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. That one is going to blow a lot of people away. That's going to be an awesome. A few, a few years ago, the Lord started speaking to me about traveling in the spirit. And I started having these dreams where I was being translocated to different parts of the country. And I would like show up somewhere, <laughs> and like I, I would like literally like a Star Trek transporter beam. I would just be beamed <laughs> down onto like an interstate and an off ramp somewhere, like in Boston. I had this one dream, and uh, the Holy Spirit just moved me to Boston to go and, and do some things. And I've had I have a lot of friends who have been having these experiences where they're being where the God is picking them up physically and moving them to different places. For for the purpose of ministry, usually for prayer or intercession or whatever. So he's been teaching me about this idea of uh, traveling in the spirit, traveling into the heavens, and traveling on the earth. So this is kind of a weird idea because, because a lot of people get freaked out about it because they know about astral projection. And they know that New Agers do this kind of stuff. But, you know, there's many, many examples of people doing this in the Bible. Um, so... I'm, I'm, I, the Lord has asked me to write this book to clear up a lot of misconceptions and to clearly teach on how Christians can do this, cooperating with the Holy Spirit to do this stuff. This so, is, this is um, <laughs> no, this is really good stuff. This is good stuff. Um, do you mind? I, I want to just, I want to go back for a second. I want to go yeah. back for a second. Um, because I read your book, uh, and there were so many just really crazy amazing stories in there um you know legs backs just i mean just just like there was emotional things there were physical things there was blood issues there was all kinds of stuff and and i want people to read this book but i also would love for you to can you like pick a favorite one or two stories um and just share them so people can hear how this has played out in your life and in your in your ministry and business there as a paramedic yep i'd be glad to so you, if you read the book, you know the story of uh, healing a Muslim. Yes, I do. <laughs> that story was awesome. I, I just, it's one of my favorite stories to tell people because it really, it changed my mind, my understanding of, uh, because I had some wrong views about Muslims and the Holy Spirit didn't just heal somebody, but, and reveal himself to them, but he changed my mind about Muslims. So I had this call <clears throat> where I was, um, it was an interfacility transport. I was transporting a patient from one hospital to another. Uh, this man had come into the emergency department. He had been bleeding. Um, he'd been filling the toilet with blood for three days. And he finally comes into the hospital. His hematocrit and hemoglobin were critical. He, he'd almost bled to death before he came into the hospital. Um, so the emergency department doctor transfused six units of whole blood into this guy before he called for us to come and transfer him to another hospital for surgery. So um, I get this guy and uh, I'm in the room where I'm talking to him and he's in this tiny little room and he's the poor guy has a, the only IV access that could get was in a vein in his neck and they stuck the IV catheter in his neck and it's kind of just taped on there very gingerly. It's almost ready to come out and he's in a small room and we have some logistical issues. We have to, deal with to get him out of the room, get him on our gurney and get him in the ambulance. So I'm kind of getting to know him as we're doing this. And during the transport, I asked him, well, he starts asking me a whole bunch of questions. He was a really curious guy and I really liked him. Um, 
So he's asking me things like, you know, hey, do you have the lights on and the red lights? And I said, no, I don't, we don't need the red lights. You're, you're not that sick. You're not going to die. <laughs> so <clears throat> we start um, talking about different things. And I'm reading through his medical history and found out he was a, he was in a, a renal failure patient who was on dialysis. He'd been on dialysis for years. And actually <clears throat> what happened was he was diagnosed with high blood pressure when he was 15. He went on dialysis when he was 18. He had a stroke uh, and was in a coma for two weeks when he was 21. Wow. And uh, when he was in a coma for two weeks, he was telling me about this. That becomes part of the story. So I, I just kind of went out on a, on a limb and I said, I said, you know, um, I looked at his face sheet, of course, and I'm looking at all of his biographical information and stuff, and I saw that he was uh, Muslim. So uh, I thought, man, this guy is not going to let me pray for him because he's a Muslim. <laughs> what I didn't know was Muslims love to pray. So, um, I mean, most Muslims are really cool. If you ask them if you, you can pray with them, they'll say, yeah, yeah. they love to pray. Mm-hmm. So um, he goes, yeah, you can pray for me. And I said, okay, man, what's, what's bothering you the most right now? And he said, my, I have a killer headache. It's just screaming. And I said, well, how bad is it on a you know, zero to 10 scale? He said, it's about a nine. So I said, okay, cool. So watch this. So I put my hand on his forehead and I commanded the pain to leave in Jesus name. And I said, how, how, how bad's the headache now? He goes, it's a little better. It's about a seven. And I said, okay, check this out. So I put my hand on his forehead and I said, in Jesus name, I command this pain to leave headache, get out. How's it now? He goes, it's actually better now. It's about a five. So I prayed one more time and, and I said, how's the headache now? He goes, that's crazy. It's gone. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I'm not even, not joking. It's completely gone. He goes, that is really amazing. And I said, yeah, Jesus just healed you. And he goes, because you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, I said, yes, I am. And he goes, well, he goes, let me tell you something about you Christians. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, you guys think that Jesus is God. But he goes, look, the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. But then the Bible says, but Jesus was seen by multitudes of people. So if God has never been seen by anyone, then how can Jesus be God? Because all kinds of people saw him. And I said, look, man, I don't want to argue theology with you. I want to get you healed. So... <laughs> So I said, look, you're, you got some serious bleeding going on. And I said, let me get you, pray for you and get your, uh, your bleeding healed. So he said, okay, that's cool. <laughs> so I put my hands on his abdomen and I just, you know, commanded the um, blood vessels in his GI tract to be healed. I command all bleeding to stop. I asked the Holy Spirit to bring his presence and touch him and just prayed for a couple of minutes. And, um, you know, I, I had no idea whether he was getting healed or not. I, I don't have... You know, X, I sort of do have x-ray vision, but um, I couldn't, I, I don't have the ability to do a CAT scan in the ambulance. So I was just believing that God was going to heal him. Yes. So we start talking and um, oh, gosh, I said, oh, I said, dude, you need new kidneys because you're on dialysis. And he goes, yeah, he goes, that would be awesome if I could, God would heal my kidneys. I'm like, yeah, wouldn't that be cool? You wouldn't need dialysis anymore. So uh, I told him this story about a dream that Bonnie Jones had where angels took her into heaven and showed her a warehouse in heaven that was full of body parts. She's walking down rows and rows of shelves full of like livers and kidneys and and hearts and different things. And she said, what are all these body parts here? And the angels said, these are spare body parts. And if you pray for people, we will come down and put these new parts in people's (laughs) bodies who have disease. (laughs) So I said, dude, wouldn't that be cool if we could get you new kidneys from the, body, from the you know, parts bin up in heaven? <laughs> and, and so 
So he goes, yeah, yeah, go ahead, pray for me. So I'm praying for him to get some new kidneys. And then he says, he goes, man, I got to tell you something. And I said, what? And he said, okay, you were talking about that like big like warehouse in heaven where those body parts. And I said, yeah, what about it? He goes, well, when I was, when I had a stroke and I was in a coma for two weeks when I was 21, I wasn't, I wasn't like out of it. I was in one of those warehouses. Mm. (laughs) I said, oh, really? Tell me more. So he goes, yeah. So I was in this huge room and there was somebody with me. They were talking to me and he goes, I was there the whole time. I was conscious, you know, like everybody thought I was unconscious, but I was totally with it. I knew what was going on. And he said, I was in this huge warehouse and it was like the one you described. And there was somebody there with me talking to me. They were calming me and they were like comforting me and telling me that everything's going to be okay. I don't have to worry that my time is not up yet and I have to go back to the earth and finish doing some things. So I was like, do you have any idea who you were talking to and what that room was? He goes, no. He goes, no one has ever been able to explain that to me. Now, none of his Islamic teachers have ever been able to explain that experience. So I said, well, dude, you were talking to the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. Now, I said, I would, I might, some people might say it was Jesus, but generally when you see, when you're with Jesus, you see him as a man and he talks to you face to face. Generally, when you have an experience with the Spirit of God, you don't see him. You just have this voice that's with you comforting him. And his name is the Comforter. And that's what he was doing. He was comforting you. So I got to teach him about the Holy Spirit. We For the rest of the transport, I taught him about the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does. And uh, <laughs> it was so cool. So we dropped the guy off at the hospital. We go to the ICU. We drop him off. And, um, you know, he thanked me for praying for him and stuff. So I go home. Now, two days later on my day off, I decided to go into town and check up on some people I had prayed with. One of them was uh, an alcoholic. He had been a lifetime alcoholic. And I went and checked up on him and I found him. And he had been healed of alcoholism and been clean and sober for two years. And he gave me his story. And that's one of the stories that I wrote about. So I also went to the hospital and I went to the ICU and I, and, um, went to the nurse's desk and I said, hey, is uh, this guy here? And they said, yeah, he is here. He's going to be discharged in about 20 minutes. He's getting ready to leave. But, yeah, you can go in and see him. So <clears throat> I was like, okay, cool. So I go in and he uh, looks at me and goes, hey, it's the praying paramedic. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm doing great. How you doing? And he goes, you're not going to believe it. And I said, what? He goes, they're sending me home. And I didn't have surgery. He goes, I'm healed. <laughs> <laughs> I said, all right, what, what happened when you got here? He goes, man, it was crazy. He goes, so I get here and they do some more blood tests and they take another CAT scan and the doctor comes in after doing the CAT scan and goes, well, he goes, I don't understand this because <laughs> the CAT scan over at the other hospital showed all kinds of blood and the CAT scan here showed no bleeding at all. So he goes, they, they did endoscopy and they did all these tests and they couldn't find any bleeding. So they made me stay here for a couple of days for observation, but they're sending me home. He goes, I don't have any bleeding at all. <laughs> so you got totally healed. It's so awesome. I, <laughs> you guys just should pick up the book. I mean, there's just, it's full of just such awesome stories. I love this. And I know we're at, mm. on, you, you can go as long as you want. All right. Pragmatic. I have to, I have to ask this question. Um, because there's a lot of people 
listening to this and they're having all kinds of different reactions. <laughs> they're having all kinds of different reactions to what you're sharing. And I was just, I'm thinking about one particular reaction that could be, wow, um, here's someone who, uh, you know, 38, 38 years old, former atheist, you know, you know, it's knows the Lord now, prays for hundreds of people before ever seeing anything happen, but keeps persisting, probably because she kept getting those dreams and know what was going to happen eventually. But what is it that gives you the um, kind of the courage? Because you went through hundreds, right, before yeah. ever seeing kind of a result, <clears throat> right? And yep. I just wonder about kind of that journey and what and kind of what's going on in your head and how how is it that that you're continuing to kind of persevere through it flow in it learn and and go and respond to him yeah that's a that's a common question i get because a lot of people read books about healing they watch videos on healing right. or you know releasing miracles or deliverance or whatever it is whether it's, it could be raising the dead because there's a lot of people who are interested in raising the dead and you know, you only have to pray for about a dozen dead people and have no one resurrected, and pretty soon you're going to say, you know, this is this is nonsense. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. I, I'm not. I'm tired of looking like a fool. Right. And that's <clears throat> that was one of my problems. Was you know, I'm in the grocery stores. I'm not just doing this at, at work. My wife and I pray for people in grocery stores and hardware stores, and we go to restaurants and we see somebody limping. We'll pray for them and you know try to get them healed. It became a lifestyle for us, but at the beginning, it was very, very frustrating because I did. I prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people, and nobody was getting healed. And I'd go home angry, pissed off at God. Look, you said you were going to heal people. What is the deal? Are you going to heal people or not? Because I am tired of looking like an idiot. (laughs) You know, I, I was... I was kind of like Moses in, at some points, like, you know, I don't get it. <laughs> you tell me to do this stuff and the people are not listening to me. Why don't you find somebody else to do this? Yeah. You know, yeah. I came home frustrated and angry many, many nights after work or whatever, people not getting healed. I had people that I was praying with who seemed to be getting better. I had one friend who had Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, I've been praying for him for about a year and a half. Every time I would see him, I'd pray for him and he was progressively getting better. Um, at one point, he had been in the nursing home for for years and had been on tube feedings, couldn't eat, couldn't swallow, couldn't do anything. After about a year and a half of praying for him, he was actually able to start eating and swallowing again. Um, but he ultimately died. Um, I've had a lot of people. I had a brother who died of cancer that I prayed with. It's, it is very difficult when you pray for people and you really, really sincerely believe they're going to be healed and they don't get healed. They die. It's it, This is... A very very serious thing. I don't take this lightly. Um, I know it's frustrating. I know that you just want to quit and give up. But here's the deal: I have a lot of friends who've been really successful at doing this, and every single one of them has had to persevere through a season, usually two to six months, of just praying and praying for dozens or hundreds of people and not seeing them healed. It's it's a place where. You're coming out of unbelief and out of skepticism and doubt, and you're coming into a place of faith where you honestly expect that when you pray for people, God's going to heal them. And there's this transition, and if you can get through that transition period into a place where you start to see breakthrough, you will start to see more and more miracles, deliverance, people being raised from the dead. I have I have many friends who have seen multiple people raised from the dead. Um 
and uh, <clears throat> it really is. It's very difficult. It's but for me, it was it was the dreams. Yeah. yeah. God just kept giving me dreams, and <laughs> I would come home angry. Oh, I'm so sick of this. I'm just going to quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I'd have another dream where I'd be praying for somebody in the ambulance, and they would get healed. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not giving up. I got to keep going. <laughs> he was insisting. <laughs> God was way, God was right. way more patient. Yeah, the, the God's patience with me and His gentleness and His way. He just kept on encouraging me to keep going and keep persisting. He knew I would eventually, you know, get it, and, yeah. and it, it takes a while. That's good. I appreciate you answering that. This has been a rich conversation. Yes. Um, I think people will kind of listen to this and maybe listen to it again and just kind of let this marinate a bit. You've shared s- such really, um, really great things here. And so we appreciate you so much for joining us. Uh, let me ask you, how can those who are listening get connected with you, your books? Let's, what's the best way to connect? Prayingmedic.com uh, is my website. Um, just P-R-A-Y-I-N-G-M-E-D-I-C.com. That's my website, um, and you can find my books on Amazon. Um, I'm also going to start making my books available on my website, um, and I have lots of articles. I'm, when I write a book, I, I generally post about 80% of the book is available for free on the website. Okay. You can just read excerpts and read chapters and read articles, and if it speaks to you, you know, and you want to get more, you can end up you know, buying the book or whatever. Awesome. Good stuff. And Antonina, can you please give the sponsor information for our podcast today, please? Sure. The uh, sponsor for this week's episode is Love Combs Publishing, which was founded for authors by authors, and they make books happen. They have an experienced team of graphic designers, editors, and publishing consultants that can help move you through the publishing process. You can check them out at online, excuse me, at www.lcpublishing.net, and you can also contact them there for a free consultation. Awesome. Thank you. Praying Medic. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Shay and Antonina. It's been a pleasure. If you ever want to have you back on the show, hit me up. I will be glad to come back and share more stories. Awesome. We love an open invitation. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Take care. For the Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur Community, we pray you've been blessed by this episode. It's probably giving you plenty to marinate on. <laughs> we will see you next week on our next episode. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you love what you heard, we invite you to join our community at kingdomdrivenentrepreneur.com. And hey, share this show with your friends too. See you next week and be blessed.